Growing up, I went to both of my grandparents' 50th wedding anniversaries. My mother and father, July 29th of next year, will be celebrating 50 years of marriage, God willing. So marriage and the sanctity of marriage and the sanctity of the sacrament of marriage is something that I've always just known, always, always held it in the highest respect. And when my wife handed me divorce papers, my world came crumbling down. Welcome to the Breakthrough of Grace podcast, a place where we share the stories of ordinary lives transformed by God's extraordinary graces. We invite you to join us as our speakers talk about their journey towards living lives of rich Christian authenticity to encourage and inspire each one of us. We are thankful you're here and taking this time to spend with us. Friends, welcome to another episode of the Breakthrough of Grace podcast. Today's episode features a talk by Sean Whiteman. To begin, I want to invoke some words with which we are probably familiar, words borrowed from President Teddy Roosevelt's famous Man in the Arena speech. The original speech was delivered in 1910. The following is the famous excerpt that most of us are familiar with. Teddy Roosevelt writes, It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles, or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming but who does actually strive to do the deeds, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. The talk you are about to hear, Sean Whiteman's story, is about a man in the arena, the arena of contending with sin and weakness and in a place of deep spiritual limit, encountering in that the extraordinary and lavish graces of God that have the power to transform us. Sean's story is heartfelt, and it is a story of hearts changed, his own and that of his family's. In this, I believe Sean bears witness and gives us insight into the following words from our blessed Lord, found in the Gospel of John, chapter 8. Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Sean's talk was recorded live with a small prayer group on John Paul the Great Catholic University in Southern California. We hope it blesses you as much as it did us. Good morning, everyone. My name is Sean Patrick Michael Joseph Whiteman. I want to begin by sharing a prayer with you all. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Everything in God's time, everything according to God's will for me, 
Everything in God's timing for it to happen. Everything in the power, authority, and in the name of Jesus Christ. Everything by the wisdom and understanding, through prayerful discernment and right judgment, and with the courage poured out by the Holy Spirit. Everything under the watchful care and the protection of our most blessed mother, Mary, virgin most powerful, united to the most sacred heart of Jesus through her most immaculate heart, with the sure and certain hope that I am her property and possession. Everything under the patronage of Saint Joseph, guardian of the Holy Family, protector of Holy Mother Church, and patron of all workers, protected by my guardian angel and by the most glorious archangel, Saint Michael, prince of the true church of Jesus Christ, against the ever-raging war around me for the eternity of my soul. Everything by the help and the prayers of the church triumphant, by the camaraderie of all the holy saints in heaven, everything accomplished by the strength given to me through, the, through Christ in the Holy Eucharist, everything for the greater glory of God. Amen. Amen. The motto for the Jesuits, Ad Maiorum Dei Gloriam, everything for the greater glory of God, was a great influence when I wrote this prayer. And in order to believe this, that everything that you do, and everything that you are, everything that you, that you have and all that you have to give is for the greater glory of God. You must believe that you are but a vessel of God. And in order to live as a vessel for God, you must surrender your will to the will of God every single day at your rising. St. Ignatius of Loyola says that few souls understand what God would accomplish in them if they were to abandon themselves unreservedly to him and if they were to allow his grace to mold them accordingly. As we know, the traditional biblical concept of the family is under attack. The identity of the family, the roles of father and mother, the concepts of patriarchy and matriarchy, masculinity, femininity, are all under full assault as we look around us in our society. John Labriola, author of Onward Catholic Soldier, says, Satan's attack on the traditional biblical concept of the family is so strong because he knows that if he can destroy the family, he can destroy society. You stop and you ask yourself, well, how can I change society? How can I affect change in society? Me, tiny, little, insignificant Sean Whiteman. What can I do? Jesus Christ says in sacred scripture, that you can move mountains if you have faith the size of a mustard seed. Saint Peter of Alcantara, Spanish saint 
born in 1499, said, truly matters of the world are in a bad state. But if you and I begin in earnest to reform ourselves, a really good beginning will have been made. Not much has changed since 1499. More things change, more things stay the same. So I want to bring us back to 2012. Ten years ago, it's a good year. It's when I experienced my metanoia. This word metanoia from the Greek meta, to change, and from noin, meaning to think, from the Greek nous, which is the mind. So according to the Greek Orthodox Church, a metanoia means to change one's mind, to expand it in such a way as to have a new perspective on the world and oneself. This change of mind and change in attitude and of heart all happens because you turn your back on the world and in doing so on the devil. And in a sense, you turn and you face God. Ad dominum. In 2008, Pope Benedict XVI explained this custom in the early church by saying, quote, fundamentally, this involved an interior event, conversion, the turning of our soul toward Jesus Christ, and thus toward the living God. Pope Benedict writes that conversi ad dominum reminds us we must always turn away from false paths onto which we stray so often in our thoughts and in our actions. We must turn ever anew toward him who is the way and the truth and the life. We must be converted ever anew, turning with our whole life toward the Lord. At the age of 25, 10 years ago, I would not have known which direction the Lord was. When it came to God and prayer, and sanctity, holiness, devotions, the mass, I could not have told you left from right, up from down. I had no idea because I was so far away from God that I couldn't point him out if he were right in front of me. So how could I even imagine what God's will was for me? I wasn't thinking about it. I wasn't discerning it. I wasn't aware of it. I didn't care. I didn't have a second thought about it. But Jeremiah reminds us, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a future of hope. With the breakthrough of grace, I would turn and I would face him unknowingly and begin my journey back home to my Lord and my God. God's plan for me was to marry and to become a husband. God's plan for me was to be a father 
God's plan for me was to be a stepfather. And it was only in this role that I could truly come to an understanding of what my role is in the salvation of God's kingdom. Only through the grace that I would receive through the holy sacrament of marriage would I be able to experience the effects of God's healing, love, and mercy in his transformative plan for my life. The Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 409, talks about the dramatic situation of the whole world which is in the power of the evil one, makes man's life a battle. St. Ignatius says that the chief of all the enemies summons innumerable demons and scatters them, some to one city and some to another throughout the whole world so that no province, no place, no state of life, no individual is overlooked. He goes around to lay snares for men to seek them and to chain them. And now at this point in my life, I was chained to my sins. I was chained to my passions. I was chained to my appetites and my desires. All of my lower faculties had complete control over me. My will was not the will of God. And my will and my intellect, my higher faculties, were completely disordered. But now when I think back, now, sitting here, about what God had planned for me, I can sum it up in Psalm 119, which is actually the, the psalm for today. Psalm 119. But here, verse 65 and following, you have treated your servant well according to your word, O Lord. Teach me wisdom and knowledge, for in your commands I trust. Before I was afflicted and I went astray, but now I hold to your promise. You are good and do what is good. Teach me your laws. As for me, your teaching is my delight. It was good for me to be afflicted in order to learn your laws. Now I can only look back at this scripture and pray and meditate on it with comfort now because that metanoia that I experienced in my life I can see now how it was good for me to be afflicted in order that I learn God's law. But at the time I was going through it, I did not know this. And so right now in the point of my talk, I want to just drop you into a specific point in my life. The very lowest point. My wife and I, at this moment, We've been married for two years. And she's handing me signed, official separation and divorce papers. And for me, that was my bottom. My daughter was nine months old. 
and my wife was about to take her away from me because the things of my past were still in complete control of my life. I hadn't yet completely given my will over to God's will. I hadn't completely surrendered myself. I hadn't completely yet understood what that metanoia was and why I had turned around, what the purpose of it was in my life. And I hadn't committed myself to it. Those snares and those chains that St. Ignatius of Loyola talked about, that the devil had laid out for me, him and his innumerable demons that I had just invited into my life. They were pulling me back. They did not want to let me go. They were pulling me away from God in a destructive way. So destructive that my wife could not allow me to be a part of her life anymore. And so it was at that moment that God truly came into my life and he handed me over to my passions. And with the handing over of the divorce papers, I got a crystal clear look at what my life would be without God. It was a life without a wife, without my children, without my family, no love, no covenant. If I could only surrender to the will of God and, and begin the transformation of myself, then a really good beginning would have been made. And it was at that moment, being handed those papers, that I finally gave myself over to God and said, Jesus, I trust in you. However, in trusting in God and believing that there truly was no way out of the situation that I was in, except through his divine mercy to help me completely change my life and save my marriage and my family, I was left only with the option to pick up my cross and for the first time in my life, actually carry it. And it would be through the carrying of this cross that I would see how God really and truly and faithfully works in your life when you surrender to him. And so where I go from there is a journey that leads me to where I am today. The sixth beatitude proclaims, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Pure in heart, according to the Catechism, refers to those who have attuned their intellects and their wills to the demands of God's holiness, chiefly in three areas, in charity, in chastity, and for love of truth. Now, I didn't know at the time, but God had already set me on a path of how to achieve that. The first step for me in my path to holiness was my battle for purity. The Catechism of the Catholic Church in paragraph 2520 states that the baptism confers on its recipient the grace of purification from all sin, but 
the baptized must continue to struggle against the concupiscence of the flesh and its disordered desires. With God's grace, he will prevail. By the virtue and the gift of chastity, he will prevail. Only through God's grace, for chastity lets us love with an upright and undivided heart. St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta once said that the devil tempts us not so much to do us harm, but as to destroy the God in us. His aim is death. Not so much you or me. We are nothing. It is about God, a hatred of God. And that hatred of God, or what I thought was a hatred for God, was so deep in the wounds that I carried through my impurity. And the only way out of that pit of filth and despair, through God's plan for me, was through my wife. And through the holy and sacred sacrament of matrimony. It was through her children, my stepchildren. And the role that God had placed me as their stepfather. And it was through the gift of my daughter, through the gift of fatherhood. God's plan for me was through his own sacred design for living, the family, which is the exact thing that Satan was trying to, at the same moment, trying to destroy in my life. Either man governs his passions and finds peace, or he lets himself be dominated by them and becomes unhappy. The most unhappy moment of my life was when my wife handed me those divorce papers. And here's why. Growing up, I went to both of my grandparents' 50th wedding anniversaries. My mother and father, July 29th of next year, will be celebrating 50 years of marriage, God willing. So marriage and the sanctity of marriage and the sanctity of the sacrament of marriage is something that I've always just known, always, always held it in the highest respect. And when my wife handed me divorce papers, my world came crumbling down. I absolutely knew at that moment that I needed God selfishly I, I needed him i wanted him then i needed god's grace i needed that grace so that i could prevail and so that i could be the husband that i was supposed to be and so that i could be the stepfather and the role model of these children that god had put me in their life to be and that i could be the father of my daughter 
whom I've always been called to be. Now back to the catechism. With God's grace, he will prevail. By purity of intention, which consists of seeking the true end of man with simplicity of vision, the baptized person seeks to find and fulfill God's will in everything. So at that time, I hadn't been seeking God's will. Although I wasn't asking for it, I knew that I wanted God back in my life. I wanted God to be at the center of my life, but I wasn't actively seeking it. And my battle for purity and by purity of intention, I had to seek in order to find and fulfill God's will in everything because that was and still is to this day God's plan for me. That is God's design for living my life. With God's grace, with a breakthrough of grace, he will prevail by purity of vision, external and internal, by discipline of feelings and imagination, by refusing all complicity and impure thoughts that incline us to turn aside from the path of God's commandments. Now, let me take you back to when I was a little boy six years old, when a non-family member, older teenage boy, first introduced me to pornography. At that moment, I didn't know anything. I was six. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what was going on. I knew nothing. But now looking back on it, at that moment, my purity of vision was destroyed. Satan, at that moment, entered into my life in a way that would lead to a, a lifelong battle. This battle for purity that I found myself in the midst of fighting. And it wasn't until that moment, those divorce papers, being handed to me, that all of this came into pure vision, perfect focus, that God had to be number one in my life, that there was no other way. Now, Jesus says in chapter six in the Gospel of Matthew, the eye is the lamp of the body. So then, if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. Up until that time in my life, if we're using this scripture verse as a reference, as a measuring gauge, my body was in complete darkness. Complete darkness. And I've heard it put this way, that hell is total darkness because there is no light in hell. Christ says, I 
am the light of the world. So in hell, there is no God. In turn, so there is no light. Total darkness, separated from God forever. And so that is where I found myself in reference to my own body because of my eyes. My own personal living hell. When Jesus says that the eye is the lamp of the body, so then if your eye is clear and your body is full of light, then my body couldn't have been more dark, my eyes more unclear. My battle for purity was raging deep within my soul. And the only way, the only truth, and the only light for me was to keep my eyes fixed on Jesus. Etymologically, concupiscence can refer to any intense form of human desire. The apostle St. Paul identifies it with the rebellion of the flesh against the spirit. And when I think about the flesh and the spirit, I can hear Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane, where he said to Peter, so you could not keep watch with me for one hour? Watch and pray that you might not undergo the test. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. My spirit was so willing to have God in my life and to turn around, but my flesh was so weak. My spirit cried out for God. My soul cried out for God. My flesh wanted no part of it. Because man is a composite being, spirit and body, there already exists a certain tension in him, a certain struggle of tendencies between spirit and flesh. But in fact, this struggle belongs to the heritage of sin. It is a consequence of sin and at the same time, a confirmation of it. It is a part of the daily human experience of this spiritual battle. And that battle, I was fighting head on. This battle for purity in my life. And it was only through purity that I would be able to do anything else, become anyone else, live any other way, only through purity. Because the reality is, is that the moment I was conceived, I was thrust into a battle for my immortal soul. At that moment, when I was born, I was born into a war zone. When I was baptized, I was fitted with combat boots. 
I also in that precise moment became a redeemed child of God and an enemy of Satan. My baptism, which set me apart for God, set me apart from Satan. The stain of original sin, the enemy's camouflage, was wiped away. In baptism, God, the author of life, had cleansed my soul, made it pure. The moment after I was baptized, Satan, the hater of life, wants to, forever as long as I live, stain my soul and steal my birthright, which is eternity with God in heaven. And that was the battle that I had now found myself right in the middle of. Not knowing at all before this moment that I had ever been part of it. That there was ever even a battle going on. That there was a raging war around me for my immortal soul. Now, the opening of my heart is where I found myself. Wanting to open myself to God. Wanting to allow him to come into my life and to transform my life. To transform my marriage. To transform my fatherhood. To transform my family. To transform my children. In the Catechism, paragraph 1888, it talks about this inner conversion in saying that it is necessary then to appeal to the spiritual and emotional capacities of the human person and to the permanent need of his inner conversion. Permanent need for his inner conversion. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. As a spiritual warrior, as a soldier of Christ, this desert spirituality is very important. It is important that you cultivate attitudes and virtues that will serve you well in the battle of life. Virtues like courage and humility and patience and charity. It is also a time to grow in wisdom, to learn about your mission, to gain knowledge of your enemy and of his ways, and to allow the Holy Spirit to instruct you in the desert. Learn well, for soon he, the Holy Spirit, will lead you out into the world that you might accomplish the Father's will. And the Father's will for me, again, started with my battle for purity. St. John of the Cross says that until a man is purged of his attachments, he will not be equipped to possess God. So that beginning of my own change of heart, my own opening of my heart, my own pouring out of my heart to God to come in and save my marriage, to save me, to save my life, to save my family. It was a cry for help for the first time in my life. And it was the cry that God heard. 
God heard my cry and he answered because I, for the first time in my life, asked him and he answered me. For the first time in my life, I sought him and I found him. Now, for all the veterans out there today, Happy Veterans Day. Thank you for your service. I want to introduce to you a few of my family members. Both of my grandfathers were in the United States Navy, World War II, Korean War, and Vietnam Wars. My father is a retired commander, United States Navy, Vietnam-era combat veteran, and Persian Gulf War veteran. My brother served 10 years in the United States Air Force, and after that time, he lateraled over into the United States Army, and he served overseas in Afghanistan, Operation Enduring Freedom. My sister was in the United States Navy, served as a surface warfare officer, and served overseas in Iraq, Operation Iraqi Freedom. Two of my uncles served in the United States Marine Corps, one serving two tours in Vietnam, recipient of three Purple Hearts, and the other serving as a drill sergeant in the Marine Corps and a veteran of the Persian Gulf War. That's where I come from. As you can imagine, growing up in a family like that, regardless of how I turned out and of the choices and the decisions that I made and the paths that I chose, a household like that and a family like that, you grow up surrounded by discipline, by order, obedience, structure, love of God, love of country, love of fellow man, patriotism. Those are all things that I held and still hold so close to my heart. It's who I am. And as you can see already, those were the very things that Satan wanted to completely destroy and root out in my life. My obedience, my structure, my love of God, my love of neighbor. Everything that I had in my life that resembled order, he wanted to militate to absurdity and flip it upside down in my mind. And he did. Now, my pathway back to God and back to his will for me in this battle that I found myself in, it had to come through this open line of communication with God. And what is this line of communication between ourselves and God? It's prayer. It's the gift of prayer. It's a gift. St. John Vianney says, we can see how much the devil fears those who pray since there's not a moment in the day when he tempts us more than when we're at prayer. He does everything he possibly can to prevent us from praying. When the devil wants to make someone lose his soul, he starts out by inspiring a profound distaste for prayer. 
however good a Christian he may be, if the devil succeeds in making him either say his prayers badly or neglect them altogether, he is certain to have that soul for himself. Growing up in a Catholic home, going to Catholic school from fourth grade through high school, being involved in youth group leadership, confirmation and leadership retreats, campus ministry, ambassadors for Christ, serving the parish community as a pianist at mass through high school. I loved Holy Mother Church. I had many friends in youth group ministry. I had a love for prayer. I had a profound love of prayer. And it was at that love that Satan hated. And he wanted nothing more than to completely destroy it. Because that's what he is. He's the destroyer. He's the separator. And he's a liar. He's the liar from the beginning. And so when I read that from St. John Vianney about how the devil gets you, how he gets you for himself, it's through the neglect of prayer. It's through a distaste of prayer. That was the one thing I knew had to be and still know that it has to be center of my daily life and the center of my marriage. That was my ticket out. The challenge is to move all in for God. To move all in for God and for his plan for our life. There's no one foot in, one foot out. It can't happen like that. It's all in. St. Catherine of Siena says, that if you are what you should be, then you will set the whole world ablaze. St. Paul says in his letter to the Ephesians, chapter 4, that you should put away the old self of your former life, corrupted through deceitful desires, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and put on the new self created in God's way, in righteousness and holiness of truth. So I say, onward, Catholic soldier, put on the armor of God that you may be able to resist on the evil day and having done everything to hold your ground. I now draw my focus to the words of Pope St. John Paul II who encourages us to place our emphasis on reconnecting to the divine life of God, which is referred to as the unum necessarium, the one thing necessary. That one thing that's necessary is the divine life of God. And while we remain disconnected from our source, we remain easily agitated and frustrated in our disordered and chaotic existence as we continue to walk in darkness. It was not until I opened the door of my heart to the ever-knocking Christ 
that I found true light and peace and mercy and forgiveness. And it was not until I surrendered my will and became a slave for Christ that I found true happiness and a true freedom. It was not until I begged God for mercy and forgiveness that I was able to finally forgive myself for all that I had put my wife and my family through in such a short period of time. I am proud to say that only by a breakthrough of grace that next year on my wife's birthday, we will be celebrating our 10th year of marriage. I am a walking, breathing witness of the unfathomable mercy of God. I can only say that I'm grateful for everything that God has given to me in his mercy. I do not deserve what I have today, but I'm grateful every day that I do not have what I deserve, which is God's justice. Now my prayer for everyone here today with me and for all who will ever hear this witness of God's grace in my life is a prayer of mercy and grace that everyone would have a breakthrough of grace. It is a prayer of the conversion of all sinners and a reversion of all lukewarm Catholics and a unification of all Christians. It is a prayer of hope for all of those without faith and a prayer of unity for everyone who is separated from Christ, either through ignorance or through choice. My prayer is one that is constant and aching like the way that our Lord petitions to St. Faustina. Tell aching mankind to snuggle close to my merciful heart and I will fill it with peace. May the peace of our risen Lord be with you always. Thank you, friends, for joining us. This talk, as you can probably tell, is one of the more powerful and impactful in our speakers series. Before we return to the pace and cadence of our day, I encourage you to pause. What of Sean's talk stood out to you? What is stirring in your soul or simply remaining with you as you continue to think and pray? My friends, we are a small apostolate seeking to capture stories of ordinary lives transformed by God's extraordinary graces. If you enjoyed this reflection, could you please give it a thumbs up or better yet, simply share it with two friends. We're trying to get the word out and these small acts of recommendation go a tremendous way in helping us.
Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Breakthrough of Grace podcast. Feel free to check the show notes for discussion questions and thoughts for further reflection. God bless you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Breakthrough of Grace podcast. We're a small word of mouth movement. Can we ask you to share it with a friend? Please see our show notes and website for discussion questions and other resources. Until next time, may God bless you, keep you, and make His face shine upon you.